Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake. Today we're talk today we're here to talk about some critical role. Woo woo. Woo. How you doing, buddy? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm wooing to cover the deep sadness yep. of this episode. So <laughs> Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We're we're both, I think, not fully over the vid, but we're we're pretty close. At least I don't want to speak for you, but are we talking about Corona or are we talking about the episode when you say vid? Oh, Corona, COVID. Sorry, um, yeah, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't go say neither. We're not over either of them. Right. Um, yeah, still, still getting back from the the COVID, and uh, still got a, a cough. I'm sure I'll cough a few times on the pod today. Same. But, but yeah. yeah. It uh, you know, last week we kind of sort of poked fun with our guess I guess I guess I'll die shirts. Um, you know, this time it didn't really feel appropriate since somebody actually no. did die. You know, we're true laughing true, yes. through the pain right now. So yes, only because if you came to this channel and we were crying, it would be very sad and probably a bit awkward. You'd be like, "What's going on with these guys?" <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Uh, yeah, welcome to our channel. And I guess the first thing we should talk about is our giveaway update, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we we had 1,000 subs. We celebrated a giveaway. We chose a random subscriber. And then we realized why no one chooses winners the way we did, <laughs> which we just picked a random subscriber. And on the video, like deep in the video, we were like, yes, and it's a tweet. And this person probably <laughs> never saw it, like probably yeah. subscribed and never came back to the channel or something. I don't know. We still appreciate um, those. We do. We do actually. <laughs> By the way. Though. Yeah. But we, the person never reached out to us. And so we finally got smart. We're going to redo the giveaway, which has been like the most extended giveaway of all time. <laughs> it's been like almost two months, I feel like. But we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to post right after this video. Later today, we're going to post another video that is going to be called, you know, 1,000 subs giveaway. We're going to redo the giveaway, same prizes as before. Um, and we'll talk about that in the episode or in that, in that video. And to enter in for this giveaway you have to be a subscriber and then two you have to leave a comment saying who your favorite critical role character is i don't know what did we what did we land on well something like that well i guess we'll talk about it in that video but yeah yeah the instructions to follow yeah (laughs) we probably should have figured it out before we said all this but (laughs) But yeah yeah, i mean that works Anyway, so just t- uh, check that out. Leave a comment. Again, you got to be a subscriber. And then this time next week, we'll pick from those commenters. And just a- an apology that it's been so extended. It hasn't been intentional. It's just kind of um, us being amateur YouTubers, I guess. <laughs> yep. So anyway, and if you're listening to the podcast, you can just go to our YouTube channel, oh, right. uh, which is youtube.com slash, I think it's PixelessYT. Is I think right? it's I think it's the Pixelist YT. The you can create your own URL, you know, once you get a certain point, and the Pixelist was taken, which is strange. Um, yeah, that's right. So yeah, YouTube.com slash C, the letter C, slat like for channel, slash the Pixelist YT. And that'll get you to our channel. Um, again, if you're just listening via 
being a, via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. Yeah. And so. I'm sure if you search the Pixelist on YouTube, we're probably the only thing that comes up, I would imagine. Or maybe Hopefully. this secret maybe channel we'll that stole our URL <laughs> maybe also comes up. I'm not sure. Did you see that meme, by the way, of like, there was some meme that was like, the person who who chose like your favorite character name in your video game uh-uh. you know, like in wow and it like it was like a meme starter pack maybe on the starter pack subreddit <laughs> but it was like the person who stole your favorite name that you've used across like every game and it says like last logged on 18 months ago <laughs> <laughs> zero posts you know that's perfect two, uh, two hours played and you're just like Arr! so <laughs> it, is, it is always that way though you know true they just true. log on take a bunch of names and leave forever yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well uh i guess we got a very sad episode to talk about today we do and i'm a little miffed because i had the second half last time and now i have the first half this time <laughs> so i got a whole bunch of sad to talk about today but unfortunately it, yeah Anything we want to mention before we kick off? Um, I don't think so. I think it was basically just the uh, the giveaway. So, um, yeah. Uh, if if you're new to us, what we do is a recap before we dive into the discussion of every episode. Uh, and we actually cut that recap out of the podcast and rehost that separately on YouTube for your viewing convenience. So if you happen to find yourself on that recap video right now and you'd like to see our full episode discussing theory crafting crying you can find the link down below um but yeah without further ado i guess we can jump into this recap of episode 34 of critical role i you think i would learn by now to like have the title in front of me it's called what dreams may come oh which was a surprisingly optimistic movie with robin williams i mean i say optimistic spoilers his whole family dies um (laughs) but it's in the first like 30 minutes uh optimistic ending and this was not a very optimistic episode so i it threw me a little bit but yeah episode 34 of campaign three what dreams may come and the episode picks up where we left off it was this swirling red storm that turned white uh as uh imogen was sort of going super saiyan is kind of how i envisioned it (laughs) uh and in this moment of time sort of standing still each person who is currently conscious has this sort of cascade of cascade of memories that they had forgotten. Chetney, it's almost kind of like seeing your life flash before your eyes, I guess. Yeah. Chetney sees some of the romances he's had. Um, he is tangibly aware of sort of this void of loneliness, uh, focusing on his work, um, fixating on all these pursuits that uh, left these romances behind him. Uh, and then he remembers his first time becoming the Chetney that we know, the the werewolf that we know. Um, Ashton seems to have a memory of maybe one of his last memories of his parents in this ominous village where there's some sort of ritual happening and his mother handing a mask and a vest to, uh, or a headdress to her his father who... Um, puts it on and then uh they hear the words it begins um ladna not yet unconscious but or not yet dead but to um to death rolls in remembers her last moments on this planet as a living person uh being brought into the banquet room 
in the city of Whitestone. Um, the Briarwoods using her and others for their um, evil plans. And ultimately, Delilah's eyes ever watchful set on her. Um, uh, as Matt describes it, a gaze that never stops, including Delilah's words, uh, I will endure. And then it moves over to Imogen, where she is, is sort of in the midst of the storm. She hears her mother's words, that familiar calling out to her um, from Liliana that tells her to run, to flee. And as she tries to back away, Odahan is there, Odahan Thule. Um, and as she looks up, uh, I don't know if she was trying to fly away, but as she looks up, she once again sees Odahan there. And Odahan is is sort of beckoning her to join, to in to give in, to um, become part of. I think Matt described it something beautiful with us. And Imogen just unleashes this blast that uh, streaks Odahan away out of the storm, and darkness follows, and then the storm subsides as bricks from the now destroyed topple buildings fall all around her. So we come back to the party all together. We have Fern dead, Orem dead. It's the top of the initiative round. Ladna has to roll to determine if she passes her third uh, death save or if she fails and ultimately dies. She rolls, and she rolls a natural one. Um, and so Ladna dies. Um, Marisha describes to Matt that she sees all the strong women in her life uh, before finally setting on the image of Delilah, uh, who embraces her from behind and says, worry not, death is but a waiting game. And Ladna releases one last breath as she passes on. Uh, it moves on to FCG, who's kind of like, okay, I have a, I have a Revivify spell, uh, decides to go over to Fern, knowing that Fern probably has Revivify as well, cast Revivify on Fern, um, and then we transfer over to Fern, sort of having this afterlife experience where she's, it's almost like a tunnel of light, and she hears FCG sort of calling her back, and... Matt does mention that she is tempted to look in a direction towards something, but instead opts to return to the party, and she returns back to life. Um, Chetney is also um, sort of trying to figure out, like, what do we do? What happened? Uh, Imogen is booping Ladna up from the rubble with Ashton helping. Uh, Fern is surveying the battlefield of, like, holy crap, you know, what do we do? And as she is thinking about revivifying Orum, Imogen and Ashton bring over Ladna and say, Ladna's down too, and Fern has a choice to make and has to decide if uh, there, she has one cast of revivify left, has to decide if she's going to revive Orum or Ladna. There's a little bit of panic where Matt says, now do you have the 300 gold worth of diamonds? And she's like, well, no, I don't have that. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. then the party's like, Oh, so now we have no way to revive either of them. But turns out Ashton had some. Uh, and ultimately, they have to choose, and they do a flip of a coin, the Changebringer coin that 
um, was given to FCG by Joe, Imahara Joe, and Fern, uh, Ashley Johnson off camera flips the coin and ultimately chooses Orem, who in the afterlife sees his husband, Will, and Will says, you're not done. And Orem says, I, you know, I wish I could stay uh, before returning back to the world of the living. And in those moments that follow, they realize that they have no way to revive Ladna. Um, and they all sort of have this um, painful realization that they've, they've run out of options. Uh, but they know they must return back to um, back to Imahara Joe's to kind of get out of the chaos of where they are. Uh, they can hear the Paragon's call kind of gathering like their sense of structure back after this big sandstorm and this attack. Um, there's a couple of things that happen. I mean, Ashton asks uh, Imogen to reach out to Gianna Hexum to see if there's any way she can help. Ashton also asks uh, Armand Treshi in the hole if he can help. And he's like, no. And then interestingly enough, Imogen even sends a message to Delilah asking her yeah. to do something, which Delilah says, I, I can't. I'd ask you to do the same thing. If you can help, you should. Um, and with that said, the party heads over to Imahara Joe's and then that we move on to our break. So uh, good job on to you, man. Yeah. So part two, um, we pick up and, uh, FCG asks Fern for his, uh, change ring or coin back and she does not give it to him. Uh, so the party makes their way to Joe's and, you know, it's still kind of boarded up because of the storm. Um, but they knock and are let in, uh, <clears throat> Ashton immediately opens up the hole and just so I don't have to keep saying this throughout this recap, basically every 10 minutes, Ashton is making sure to open up the hole. So Treshy doesn't suffocate. Um, <laughs> and the group basically apologizes to Joe for bringing trouble to his doorstep. Uh, he's like, what kind of trouble did you bring? So they fill him in and what they fill him in on what it happened and what he may be getting pulled into. And Joe's like, okay. And he pulls up this hatch in the shop and basically leads them down below to like this storage area, basement area. Safe room almost. Yeah. <clears throat> the group down here begins to interrogate Treshi and just basically ask him all the things. And he's like, I don't know um, what Odahan's up to, but there's a lot of insight checks made and Fern actually gets a whisper and basically knows that he's not letting on as much as he actually knows. So right. a few intimidation checks later, he lets them know this is all way bigger than him. He was just basically a pawn in this. He was using it to rise back up in his household, uh, to rise back up with the quorum. But now he's a fugitive. Um, <clears throat> he was basically being used for this shipping line. Odahan was using him to ship these things uh, across the Osmond Sea. And Ashton's like, do you working with Gianna Hexum in this? And Treshti said, yes, Hexum actually held the shipments for us until it was like we had the okay and the, the clear to keep moving. So she was like a stopping point um, on the shipping line. Um, so the group has some of these shipments and among other things that they stole from the crates uh, that fell off the uh, mammoth crawler during this last skirmish and a few other things they grabbed during the commotion. So they're like, let's go take a look at this. Um, <clears throat> they go into the hole, pull out some of these things. Um, 
they grabbed some of these vials uh during the skirmish and uh they noticed that these like cylinder like things remind fern of what was in odahan's little backpack device right and so they asked treshy what are these and he doesn't know um Meanwhile, Chetney has been inspecting this little basement that they're in, and he has found this like vault door down a ways, and it's locked. Um, so he's been working on trying to get it open, and he does, and it basically leads to this tunnel that seemingly goes like deep underground, and it um, smells of minerals and reminds him of one of the areas they were in during the Death Wish run. So he assumes it kind of tunnels down into a similar place. Um so while he's doing that, they actually yelled him like, hey, come here. We need you to open some of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> so they hand him this little back box that's locked and he actually figures out that it's trapped. Um, and he figures out that the trap involves metal. So his workaround is I'm going to craft some wooden lock picks and then try to open this with the wooden ones. So I don't have to worry about this trap while he's working on that. The party is discussing what do we how do we fix this lot in a situation? So they're going right. over all of these various you know possibilities that they have who do they know uh we could potentially talk to Estros, uh keyleth the dorolos ajit dial john hexam morrigan um we got to figure something out and imogen is like i can send messages but you know i need to rest first so <clears throat> chetney now having made his wooden lock picks picks that box successfully and inside they find it's like a lead lined box they find this green powdery substance which we know to be a residual party wonders what it is but orum knows what it is and tells them uh it's this you know powerful magical enhancer if you will uh very valuable very powerful and he's like this shouldn't be here uh my boss and the dorolos they need to know about this um chetney doesn't want to put the residual back in that box since it is trapped so they're like, we need a new way to carry this around. And ultimately, they hire Joe to make them a new lead box for 300 gold. Right. FCG then casts Identify on one of those cylinder vials, and they find out it is a potion of a, a possibility. Uh, when you drink it, you get two fragments of possibility. And basically what those are is it's you basically get to re-roll um, a D20 and then choose which one you actually want to take. You can also use it offensively against an enemy. Yeah. yeah. So like you can make... <laughs> an enemy reroll yeah amazing and so they have six of those total i believe so uh or no well yeah because there was another there was another box that had the same right stuff in it so they so. open up another crate and there's more um so i don't remember the total number but every member of bell's hells gets one and they have two left over that they put in like the group inventory yeah so wow. then the party settles in for a long rest um in which during the second watch of which Chetney hears commotion upstairs. Some members of the Paragon's call have come into Joe's because uh, they're looking around for the party and they're asking Joe if he's seen him. Joe's like, no, nope, I haven't seen him. Um, but they're like, well, we want to take a look around regardless. So Chetney, having heard this, is silently waking everybody up. Um, <clears throat> and um, the visitors upstairs notice the hatch and they're like, we're going to go down there. So as they're coming down, the party scurries behind this vault door that Chetney had opened and are hiding behind there. Um, they come down, uh, the visitor come down, look, apparently are satisfied, and they do eventually leave. Um, Imogen casts her open mind to see if anybody is like in the adjacent room, just in case they're hiding silently. Um, but they're not, so they have eventually fully left uh, the party having eluded them. Um, 
And then they're like, hey, Joe, sorry, we're going to up that 300 gold to 400 gold um, for your trouble. So after all that, they do get back to their long rest, successfully finish it. Um, notably, Imogen doesn't have any dreams, um, not of the storm, nor of Laudna walking into the storm, similarly to how she had when um, Bertrand passed and the twins passed. Uh, but Matt lets her know that in the morning she feels this lingering buzz and checks her to tells her to check her feats as he has added to them. Um, <clears throat> FCG then uh, apologizes to Chetney for going berserk and thanks Chetney for like trying to reach out and trying to help him and reveals that he stayed up last night and made Chetney a wooden toolbox, uh, which Sam actually physically has brought and gives to Travis. Um, yeah. Travis is ecstatic. It's like customized with uh, RTA, respect That's the cool. alpha. <laughs> um, so they have a little moment. Uh, the group then asks Imogen about, hey, what happened yesterday? And she's not sure. Something like that has never happened before. And she assumes that, you know, Odohan wants her for that very strength. Uh, she does tell them that she saw her mom during a vision. And the other party members reveal, at least the ones that have visions, reveal that they had visions as well. You know, Blake already talked about this, but Chetney saw some old flames. FCG saw visions of his past life. Ashton saw his parents. And uh, when Ashton brings that up, he pulls out the helmet from the museum that they took and explained kind of the vision that he had and that they were performing some sort of ritual and that Ashton doesn't remember much, but just everything went haywire, uh, wind and light and air, people flying through the air. Next thing Ashton knows he's waking up outside of Basaras and then was put into the Graymore home. Um, Imogen then starts sending messages. Uh, first of which is to captain Zandis, letting them know they're ready to be picked up. Um, uh, he says they're about a half day away. Uh, the party then, uh, asks her about her scars because they notice her scars have grown and she says yeah they showed up when I first started having the dreams and you know I thought they were cool at first but now you know they're growing and I'm you know after what happened yesterday I don't know what's going on um, notably then FCG casts gentle repose on Laudna and is told that he has a weird sense that the spell headed off something at the pass uh, I think he's the only one that notices this Right. Uh, and with that, that means Lana is going to be basically like in stasis for 10 days, like not going to, I mean, I know she's a hollow one, but essentially she's not going to like decompose and will still be able to be resurrected for 10 days. And it, um, it can be recasted after right. that 10 day period as right. well. Um, <clears throat> so then the message is sent to Eshteros, basically telling him everything that just happened, what happened with Laudna, and if he can help, Eshteros says, you know, he'll do what he can uh, for Bell's Hells to come to him he'll reach out, see what he can figure out. Uh, FCG then follows up a message to Eshros, letting him know that, Hey, by the way, you're in danger. Like Odahan knows who you are, knows we are working for you. Like be safe. Um, after all those messages are sent, the party goes up, settles up with Joe, gets their new residuum box, puts the residuum in it, and they head off toward Basaras. Um, as they're making their way, they can see the skyship in the distance approaching, uh, and make their way to it. There are some crawler, uh, Crawler bikes headed out to the ship as well because this is not a normal occurrence and the party is wanted people. Uh, so they're basically racing, kind of trying to reach the airship before these crawlers do. The airship drops out these rope ladders. The party all is trying to get up on them. Uh, everyone does except for Chetney, who rolled a natural one, but uh, Imogen casts fly on him. And so everyone is able to safely make it to the deck and the party is off toward Drusar. And that's where the episode ends. 
<laughs> yeah, that is episode 34 of campaign three, what dreams may come. And don't forget, if you're watching just the recap, you can check out the link below for the full episode discussion. Will, it's a great episode. What'd you think? It was a great episode. Um, I think you even said it might be your favorite episode of the whole campaign, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I think it was it was one of my favorites, maybe my favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely like when the episode ended, like the rawness of the emotion of it was, I was really like walking away being like, that was the best episode I've seen. Um, and now having a week to sort of sit and simmer a little bit, I, it's not any less, it's just kind of the emotion has worn off a little bit for me. Um, or I've, I've just processed my grief a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's still absolutely one of my, my all time favorites. Um, you know, anytime, same thing was true in calamity. Anytime these professional actors can use their professional acting chops, um, I'm always blown away by it. So yeah, yeah I love the episode. Laura freaking Bailey, this episode, man, she was amazing. Killed it. Laura. Laura, I mean, everyone, everyone. Yeah, everyone did, but, um, Laura was amazing. Uh, I went, I went and rewatched the first half. Um, but the despair that Imogen was feeling Fern, this chaotic, neutral creature who it's never, 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 nothing's ever too serious. Um, you know, Ashley Johnson, you couldn't tell quite what was her emotion versus her character, but like yeah. having this moment of realizing the severity of the situation, Orem seeing Will and like his voice just weakly saying, I wish I could stay. I mean, and then Ashton full on like eyes wide. Okay, what are we doing? You know, let's, okay, I do this. And then, you know, it's just, um, yeah. I don't know. I just like, thought it was, I just thought it was amazing. Like people, they really got into it and it was really special in yeah. terms of the episode. Yeah. They're really, there's some just great, like gut wrenching moments. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of them all right now, but yeah, I'm not to wax too poetic here, but you're so right. Like, uh, when Fern first was res and was like, what the fuck do you mean? Orm's dead. Like that was just right. so like, <laughs> you know, not her bubbly yeah. self in a, like Ashton yelling for like, call Gianna, like, you know, cause that's the only thing he could even think right. of. Um, but yeah, everyone's performance. Amazing. One of my top episodes for sure. Um, emotions were running high stakes were running high. Uh, it was just not to boil it down to this, but I mean, it was just entertaining the, you know, like I boom, like pop, 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 pop. Um, so yeah, fantastic. Of course, loved it. Big surprise, I'm sure, to everyone listening. Um, yeah, I mean, it hurt though. Uh, and this is something yeah. we <laughs> we touched on in the last episode about like death and stakes in a story. Which you know, I'm not going to retread that entire thing. If you want to hear it, you can check out our last episode. But you know, it it uh it hurt, but you know, it it also just kind of. I don't know makes it yeah i mean it's it's i think sam kind of joked about dorian deus ex machina machining his way into the, to save everyone it it does feel hollow when there is just like an out like that um you know so and so shows up and heals the party to full uh so i i appreciate matt's boundaries of like we're going to protect the story 
And honestly, we said on the last episode, my guess would have been Orem, but um, it does make sense. So we supposedly, and I did air quotes at this part in the recap, we supposedly got a coin flip from Ashley Johnson. Do you think a coin flip actually happened, or do you think she lied and said it was Orem just to choose Orem? Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. Well, she did flip the coin. She did? Okay. Yeah, I don't I know if you I saw that. See it. I didn't actually see it flipped. But she didn't show it though. Right. So she flipped she did flip like a literal actual coin in real life and immediately okay. hit it. Like Laura was trying to see what it was, but she immediately hit it. So nobody saw it but her. And then she okay. immediately like put it away. Um I was wondering this, man. Now I think I mean maybe it landed on Orum and that's that. But I think if it landed on Ladna, she still would have picked Orum. So I I don't know, you know, I, cause that's her, one of her best friends. Like she's been with Orem every step of the way downing, dating back to EXU, you know, and she's already lost Dorian, not to death, but you know, right. Orem's all she has left. And this is a girl that's never had friends, you know, like she was with her grandmother right. her whole life. So like, this is right. literally her only friend. So yeah. I don't think that she would have not resurrected Orem. So it is very interesting to to think about if that coin flip maybe did land on Ladna. But yeah, and reminder for our listeners, if you didn't watch EXU, the first one, the nine episodes, Fern and Orem are from that. They started there together. Uh, so yeah, they've had about a year's worth of time together, traveling together. So the, the history is there. Um, I agree with you. I think even if it landed on Ladna, she's still chose Orem. Otherwise, why hide it, right? And so the question is, is Imogen going to ask her about it? You know, is there going to be like a, a pressing on it of what did you really flip? Which I don't know if there will be, but it, it would be an interesting story point for her to really want to know what she really rolled. Yeah. So. In, in any case, it would just be interesting if it came up later, like even if it wasn't like maybe it was just Fern confessing at some point to clear her conscience, you know? Um, right. I mean, especially, I mean, I, not to, there's a whole nother subject to talk about here on if Ladna does come back or not, but especially if she ultimately does not, then that gets way more juicy, I guess, let's say. Um, so, I mean, I could definitely see that potentially coming up later. Well, I mean, Maybe we talk about that real quick. I mean, the where do we think this goes with Ladna? Because there's like a there's a short term question of like functionally at the table, is Marisha at the table Thursday? And if so, is she coming to the table with a different character, a new character? And then the long term side of it is, what is the solution for bringing her back if that is an ultimate? option and maybe we can just go ahead and say like there's going to be spoilers in this discussion just for everyone for campaign two spoilers um maybe campaign one no, i'm just kidding maybe maybe i don't know I never, <laughs> I just, I never i'm just messing with you but maybe i'm curious since you watched campaign two how the level of commitment the party which it, they're going through grief you know, they're grieving and so they're like, we're going to find a way. We're going to bring you back. Like we're, they seem very committed to the idea of bringing Ladna back. When Molly Mock died, how does it compare 
to that time, was there the same um, commitment? Because I'm, I'm trying to line it up in terms of like potential outcome. Um, you know, Ashton rolled a new character. Uh, what, what happens from here, I guess? Like, how does it compare from campaign two? So what are your thoughts there? Um, so trying to decide where to start here. Um, first of all, I don't think Marisha is going to be at the table Thursday. Now she may join the table at some point, but I don't think like she, maybe she'll be there for the announcements and stuff. But like when the game actually starts, I don't think she'll be sitting there. Um, wow. Why is that? She doesn't have a character right now. Yeah. Okay. You know, you, cause you know how she left the table right, last yeah. episode. It's the similar you thing. Think, That's you don't think captain Zandis has like a first mate <laughs> that they never met. <laughs> Level 20 druid that pops up from the, you know, Oh, I was washing the bathroom when you guys were here. I'm, <laughs> I'm Fodna. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. I mean, you know, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's basically how they've treated it is when, you know, not even that somebody's dead, but when somebody's doesn't have a character to play at the table, they're not there. Kind of like how Travis wasn't there between right. when Bertrand died and when Chetney showed up. Um, so obviously if Ladna is resurrected next episode, of course she'll be back. Um, or if a new character is introduced, she'll come back. Uh, but yeah, when the, when the game starts, I don't think she'll be sitting there cause that's typically how they treat it. Um, now, uh, I forgot the other thing we were talking about here. Oh, just like, well, uh, compared to campaign two is right. kind of what I was. So, curious about. <clears throat> They're kind of, I mean, obviously they're both campaigns played by the same people, but like the circumstances and stuff of these two campaigns are so vastly different. Uh, okay. I'm not going to actually explicitly spell out any spoilers here, but like slight spoilers to the fact that death is a thing in these campaigns. Sometimes it's solved, sometimes it's not. Um, particularly back in campaign one, when death was a threat, uh, and they, it wasn't solvable by the immediate party. Um, that wasn't the necessary end of it. Like they traveled to temples and would maybe get help from somebody there. And it still wasn't just a, okay, everything's better now. Like there's still roles involved. There's still ritual involved, still could fail, yada, yada, yada. So there's more of a precedent in campaign one in particular for this. I mean, again, as we've already talked about spoilers, campaign two, Molly dies. Um, and it's not brought back. Uh, so I, I feel like campaign, this moment we're in now in campaign three is possibly more akin to something that happened in campaign one. Uh, Cause I think they do have options on the table to potentially bring her back still. Um, so in, in campaign two, the, those options weren't quite there is what you're saying. Right. Okay. Was it earlier in the, I mean, were they lower level or just less traveled or I guess less connected maybe? I, we uh, have Orem who knows the Dorolos, for example, and also Keyleth. So right. there's two major NPC connections that I don't know if the second if the Mighty Nine had that or not. But so they were definitely far left. They didn't have any connections in uh, in campaign okay. two, um, and they I th I don't know this for sure. So y'all will have to correct me in the comments. But I'm pretty sure they were low level. I don't think anyone had res capabilities when that happened or if they uh -huh. did they weren't there you know like maybe 
for whatever reason, without getting into spoilers, um, for whatever reason, resing, like, it's not like they had reses and that didn't work or something. I, that wasn't even on the table when Molly died. Um, so yeah, just completely different circumstances. Uh, and you just said it. I mean, mainly the fact that Keyleth is one degree of separation from this party from Orem. Um, <clears throat> And uh, that's something I wanted to talk about, not to completely, I still want to answer any more questions you have about this specific thing, but about just the implications of if Keyleth is brought in and does res her. Um, I know some people have expressed that they wouldn't like that, and there's just as many people that are, you know, on board for that. Um, so is it, did I cover what you wanted me to there or should is there something else before well, we, I guess, before i move I guess, on to that yeah before you move on i guess what i'm ultimately getting out is i'm i'm in i'm wondering i'm trying to cope ultimately because yeah. i'm trying to figure out like the party they're saying like we're gonna find a way and having not really seen much of campaign one and two yeah. i'm trying to process you know the percent likelihood that ladna gets brought back Versus, no, they're just they're just coping with their grief. Um, yeah, but it sounds like in different circumstances for campaign two versus campaign one, there were options. So, I mean, would you call it a fifty-fifty or even better odds that Ladna comes back? Or as like a percentage, I don't know. Because even let's say, for sake of scenario, that Keyleth is gonna come Rezer, this still might not work. You know. Like there's roles involved, just like, you know, uh, Sam and Ashley had to roll when they were resing Burn right. and Orem. Um, so I think big, there's big roles, by the way. Yeah, Sam freaking rolling a seven plus his three, which got him exactly what he needed for it to work, was crazy. Oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> Otherwise, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. Let me put it this way: I think there's probably a decent chance that there's something attempted like so i'd say 50 50 or greater on the chance that they are able to at least try something now if that works or not i don't know especially because who knows if there's any complications due to the fact that she's a hollow one maybe there's not but there could be like you know like the fact that she's already dead like maybe it's even harder to bring her back type of thing like maybe the dc is even higher um maybe it, or maybe it's lower or um, yeah i don't know you know and um so yeah i think i think there's probably a decent chance something's attempted but then i mean who knows because it may be i mean i'm pretty sure marisha would want her character to come back but maybe in service of whatever it may be she could even choose not to even if it is successful no, Ladna's too good. She is my favorite. She is too good of a character. Did not come back. I know she is so I, great. Do you like how I went from like conjecture? Yeah, I wonder what to, to like full blown fan service. No, <laughs> she is coming back. It's happening. There's no matter no matter what they have to do. It is interesting. Well, actually, I don't want to hijack. You said you were, you were wanting to mention something else. My mind's already going somewhere else too. So maybe you go first, and then um, are you talking about the Keila thing or something else? Well, I was going to, yeah, it made me think of Keyleth because there's some context there of, like I envision, some people on Reddit have talked about this as well, them bringing 
her to Keyleth, and then one of them slipping like, oh, and Delilah Briarwood is, you know, her patron, and Keyleth being like, wait, what? I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah. You know, and then being like, no, nothing. You know, I mean, like, I just kind of wonder, but <laughs> there's some, it's not just like a, yeah, I'll resurrect your friend. I mean, there's some real <laughs> wait, <what>? interesting, yeah. <laughs> Especially if Percy were involved in, you know, because they're thinking about talking to the Dorolos too. Like, you know, right. he's the one that would especially probably, you know, register that name. Um, yeah, I saw Legend of Vox Machina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many different things I want to talk about right now. Uh, real quick, I guess I'll say before we. Anyway, it would just be devastating if. Keila did, or if Marisha did lose Laudna, uh, just because this is something we've talked about in the past, how Marisha kind of has been a magnet for a lot of like hateful comments and stuff in the past campaigns. Um, but Laudna has been like a fan favorite, it seems like. So it's just kind of great that like, and I, you know, there's always haters, of course. And, um, but it seems like this campaign in particular, she's really kind of like, hit a stride not i loved keyleth and Bo. i'm just talking about like toxic you know toxic side of communities marisha has always gotten yeah. a lot of that attraction um yeah, and it seems like there's been less of that with laudna well you've mentioned that and i having only really gotten into campaign three i would have that i would have had no idea if you hadn't told me that because yeah. i i would say she's pretty universally appreciated from what I've seen, I don't really <laughs> keep a pulse on everyone's comment. So, so that would um, just be like an added layer of, oh man, like, you know, not that anyone should care what toxic people are saying, but it, you know, just to her finally have such like a, to not have to deal with that type of stuff. And then, yeah. you know, who knows if she made a new character, if the gremlins would pour out. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> Anyway, back to, and I know you said you had something to talk about. So if it wasn't this or that, that was that, that was okay. It. Um, now I guess there's this whole conversation of do sex machina of it. Are we erasing the stakes if they're able to bring her back now? So on and so forth. Um, I, I hear what that camp of people is saying, but, and obviously we have to see how things play out, but I personally don't have a problem with them reaching out to Keyleth because like if they had done it in campaign two with Molly, that would have made no sense. Like they don't, no one in mighty nine knew who anyone in Vox Machina was, you know, they had absolutely not even, you know, Kevin Bacon degrees of separation from Keyleth. Uh, but sorry, here, what is that? What is, what is that? <laughs> you know, like was that, the, a, was that a stretch? Like what was that? <laughs> you know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, no have you never heard this before <laughs> what is this it's like no one is more than like six to, you know the six degrees of separation yeah. kevin yeah. bacon <laughs> is like for some reason like the example that's always used like everyone can like connect themselves to kevin bacon within six degrees of separation or whatever all right guys <laughs> we're gonna have to get in the comments and try to verify that this is the case but <laughs> I promise i've never I'm heard crazy. that that's that's i do appreciate the new meme that you've given me yeah yeah so I, as you were saying though they didn't know Kevin Bacon. Right. They didn't know Keila. <laughs> right. So I think here it would almost be weird if Orem didn't explore that. Like he literally already has a relationship and already 
in this campaign has communicated with the voice of the Tempest. So I think it would be strange if that at least wasn't explored. Now, maybe she maybe she doesn't do it. Maybe she can't do it, you know, but I think the fact that they're going to reach out to her makes sense. And it would be strange if they didn't uh, also with Estros, also with Gianna, if they end up doing that. Um, so I don't feel like this is do sex machina. I don't, I feel like this is players just, you know, grieving, coping, and there are still mechanics in D and D that would allow for resurrections at this point, especially with general repose. Um, so I'm okay with it. Um, where do you land on this? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think people are being a bit overly rigid if it's like, no, those are the stakes. That's, those are the consequences. You can't, no backsies, you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, getting a little, a little inflexible on this. Um, I mean, I think the stakes are already there. The weight of the story is already there. I mean, having watched last episode alone, like regardless of what we go from here, I mean, like the story depth is there. Um, and I like what you said, like it would almost be odd if Orem didn't reach out and try to find a solution. Um, it's interesting the fact that they have residuum, which isn't it true that residuum can take the the place of any component for a spell? Yes. Okay, so that's interesting. Um, that's an interesting that's an interesting little breadcrumb of of information that I'm really curious. And is there any kind of like monkey's paw with like can you just use it freely or you know you don't like give your soul over to? <laughs> I mean, not that we know of. Maybe that's okay. maybe that's the other shoe to drop. Uh, okay. But yeah, not to cut you off here, but you bring up something that I did want to talk about is uh, the part of the the decision when coin was or coin when Fern was flipping the coin and stuff is that they didn't they couldn't res both. Um, a few of us were actually like live chatting in the Discord when we were watching the episode, and we were all like. And I think I mentioned this in the previous episode. Like I thought they had plenty of diamonds. Um, So we weren't sure if perhaps, and this isn't, you know, important what's done is done and what happened happened. Um, But I'm wondering if maybe even they had diamonds, but it just got lost in the inventory. Like, and who like, Oh, I thought you had them. I thought you had them, Uh, you know, Uh, but (laughs) it was funny because I think there must've been a lot of that type of discourse happening. I saw Marisha tweeted, uh, it wasn't about the diamonds. She only had one spell slot. Uh, right. So yeah. it didn't even matter about the diamonds. Which uh, kind of an annoying tweet. Not not her tweet annoying. The fact she had to tweet it was a little right. annoying. I'm like. That goes back people. to, you know, we talked about this yeah. last time. Just anyway. it's annoying that the cast has to deal with this type of stuff. Uh, but what's hilarious. So I don't remember her exact wording, but it was essentially it wasn't about the diamonds. She didn't have the spell slot. <laughs> Sam responded to that and goes, but also we didn't have the diamonds. <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. Um, but my segue there was that had they have, I mean, they didn't have a spell slot, so it didn't matter, but had they had known that they had that residuum, they could have used that um, in place of the diamonds. Um, so, but again, no spell yeah. slot, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of funny that they had lots of spell components right under their nose. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And it feels like we should come back to that because I want to ask about the, I'm just going to call it the dunamantic liquid or dunamancy liquid or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, what is it called? The sh- vial of possibility? Liquid uh, yeah, possibility? potion of possibility, yeah. Potion of possibility, which seems so Damn broken, me. by the way. <laughs> 
But going back to um, one other detail that Fern mentioned, the fact that Morrigan can bring people back from the dead. Yeah, and she's maintained that she's died before. Even before this episode, I remember, I don't know if it was in EXU or if it was in Campaign 3, but I remember at one point she mentioned having died before and we like talked about it in our next in our podcast discussion after that. So I'm wondering if I forgot has been brought back before. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's interesting. We know that we don't know. We it's heavily implied that Morgan is a hag uh, and also trades trades for um, there's always a trade off for something you want. So I yeah. wonder, and we've also been wondering, is there going to be a, a, an opportunity for them to go to the Feywild and meet Morrigan? This seems like a very easy end to that next phase of the story where maybe they go to Morgan, but the question then becomes, what what do they offer her in return? Right. Which, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, even if the Keyleth, if the Estros, they have Morgan that they could try as well. And yeah, I don't... F- I mean, I feel like if they are going to get a high-level person to help them out, I feel like they have probably have a better chance of just Keyleth being that person before they make their way to Mori. But if it did happen that way, I would love to see if there wasn't anything required. If she like, if she just cared about Fern that much that she would help Fern, because I just want to know so much more about their relationship. Or would there be something required? And maybe she, she doesn't really have a, tr- a true love for Fern. I, so many questions there yeah. that I would love to get any type of context on. Have you have you seen while we're on the topic? Have you seen like this conversation piece about? It's, it's a theory that I don't ascribe to, but that Delilah wanted her to die so that when she eventually gets revived, that it's actually not her that comes back, but Delilah. Delilah. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that explicitly, but um, that is interesting. I mean, it, it's interesting, but I also, for me, it doesn't quite line up because I don't know. It feels like Delilah has been sort of protecting Laudna, like sort of wanting her to. True. Like, I haven't really, ha- we haven't really had a scene where like she's on an airship and Matt's, you know, RPing as Delilah's like, jump off the airship. You know, it's like. Yeah like trying to get her to die. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, it doesn't quite, it'd be an interesting angle, but I don't know if that's quite the angle. Yeah. I think I'm with you. Like there, there's obviously some angle, but we just aren't aware of it yet. And yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think there is something clearly, but I don't know if that's it. Um, but that would be crazy if like next episode or whenever they like perform a ritual and, Oh, it's not Latna. How many episodes do you think we're going to, you think it's going to take? I don't know. I mean, because they're on the airship right now. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I really don't see it happening this next episode, but I mean, it easily could, you know, because I I mean, especially if it is Keyleth, she could get to them probably pretty quickly if she wanted to. But I just, I don't see it happening super, super quick. It's the last episode of the month. Oh, yeah. Might have a big so old we, cliffhanger. We get a break for next Thursday. I forgot so, about that. Yeah. Um. All right. There's so many like little things I wanted to mention here. 
Um, so I'm just yeah, kind of try I, to. I guess before we jump into it, you guys watching, tell us in the comments what you think. Like, what's what's going to happen here? What's your best guess? What was your reaction to Ladna's death? And what's the answer going forward? Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, all right, Will. What else you got? All right, so the residuum. Um, I wanted to talk about this. That's in in conjunction with the dunamantic things that are being shipped. The conjunction. Conjunction <laughs> the of the conjunction spheres. Conjunction of the spheres. <laughs> we we also okay, have no <laughs> residuum. Um, which how much how much did they have? By the way, I don't know. I didn't really get a feel for how big the box was, but it was a lead line box that like I assume one person was able to hold. So I can't imagine it was too big. Well, we know the, there's several vials, but I, I couldn't tell if there was just like a single pouch of residuum or if they have another one in the other box or what exactly the amount is. My and understanding was that there was a completely separate box that was only residuum. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I might be mistaken. Yeah, because, yes, because there were some, some of the boxes were marked with Armand Treshi and then there right. was like the other box um, that was also getting loaded. So that would make sense. So I guess we don't, necessarily know that the residuum was even part of this same Odahan transport line. I mean, presumably it was because it's from the Paragon's call. Maybe just Treshi's not involved with it. Maybe he is. I don't know. But anyway, the residuum reminded me, and I texted you this, that was the same thing that happened in the first episode of EXU, of the first EXU, not Calamity. Um, but the party just is doing business with this the nameless ones who are like this kind of shady underground kind of thieves guild type people. And they go to their warehouse and find a huge stockpiles of residual, which Orem similarly is like, this should not be here. This isn't, you know, I got to tell the Dorolos. I got to tell Keyleth it's exactly what he said this most recent episode. And clearly the nameless ones weren't producing this. So they were getting this from somewhere. I'm wondering if they were getting it from, Odahan from this very shipment line. Um, and this is like a through line from EXU to now. Um, what the hell are they using this residuum for? Yeah, I mean, they're also a, the nameless ones are also a thieves guild. So, I mean, maybe they were, you know, pilfering it off the top because uh, it was a fairly large stockpile, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, could be involved with it. Um, you know, they could be like the front line of distribute distributing it or it could be you know as a thieves guild they've been they've been stealing it because they also had other like exotic expensive things like um you know the big crab thing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> whatever it was i think uh, it was a an on keg maybe yeah yeah so i don't know it's interesting because i also didn't expect diana hexam to be part of it i thought i thought maybe she had stolen a box because it, it was almost like her and Armand were sort of pitted against one another um, earlier when we first met her. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit surprising to find out, as far as we know, we, assuming Armand's been honest, to find out that Gianna was part of it. Um, yeah. Maybe that was just optics on her part to kind of smokescreen. Or maybe, you know, she seems like the person that's just always trying to get one leg up on somebody else. So maybe right. she like whilst working with Treshi still is trying to get one over on him, you know, but how about Treshi being like when the, uh, oh, what's it called? 
big slug mom when she was referenced the shade mother yeah shade mother yeah and he was like oh no 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 that was the nightmare king i'm like no one will take responsibility everyone's like oh no like because when the nightmare king was asked about like child sacrifices and other weird stuff he was like oh no that was armand who i just was making some money and which we pointed out then i said that doesn't really add up to me no one did an insight check on that and I don't know. It feels like it feels like there was some business mixed with a little bit of pleasure on the Nightmare King's side of, yeah, let's go ahead and throw in a child sacrifice. But <laughs> it's interesting to me. I'm wondering like who's telling the more honest truth um, in terms of responsibility for this kind of stuff. Same here. And I was also wondering if I mean, I seem to believe Treshy and that he was just kind of being used here and his his goals were just to, you know, up his political value essentially. Uh, which maybe it's not fair to believe him on that. Maybe he, maybe there's other things going on. But for my money, that checks out to me. So what I want to know is what is the plan with the Shade Mother, with this the Shade Creepers digging down deep into Drusar? Like that's still like I haven't yeah. forgotten that. Like I still feel like that's gonna something's gonna drop with that eventually. And so is yeah. that the Nightmare King who's plotted that, or is that part of Odahan's machinations? Yeah, it's definitely there's like the very superficial part of the plan of like so discord and chaos to bring in the paragon's call that armand does feel like the simplest link to um you know the mimic wall at the theater the animated uh furniture and like dining set whatever that all checks the box for me but like you mentioned the shade mother and the shade keepers digging um that seems a level of nefariousness that's much deeper uh not to mention also the transport of broomstone yeah so we we have a few things being transported we have the dunamantic liquid we have the residuum and we have broomstone three incredibly (laughs) rare and valuable things that one group has they have all three and they're transporting all three for some reason Uh, very interesting they're clearly gonna lift Drusar to Man, we're really You're really on this, which I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not on it. It's, it's very interesting, though. Um, Armand, I agree, feels more pawn esh, pawn esque um, than mastermind. Uh, so yeah, I'm really curious what's happening with all of this. Yeah, same. Again, y'all, let us know your theories on this down below. Um, and I was gonna say, Adahan is familiar with esteros too Mm -hmm. that was interesting of like oh lord esteros i need to pay him a visit like it's interesting that these seemingly two never having had a reason to meet characters that they know of each other to the point there was like there was like a familiarity with Otahan being like i'm gonna pay him a visit like not like lord esteros oh that's that noble who lives Mm -hmm. in the creepy house it was like oh yeah him okay so yeah, that's a it good seems point. like there's been an engagement at some point. I wonder if, you know, because Estrosh used to be a mercenary, right? For lack of a better word. Right. So maybe that's when they crossed paths back when they were both doing war stuff. Um, <laughs> but yeah, good point. I didn't even think about the fact that it was that she just knew exactly who that was. Um, yeah, it's interesting. All right. I'm going to there's. I'm just going to try to some of the stuff I forgot to mention while we were talking about it. But uh, two things with Laudna. One, um, the general repose moment. Um, 
where gentle, I, gentle repose. Yeah, I uh, I mentioned it during the recap, but Matt explicitly like mentions to Sam that hey, you notice like in just him something something interesting like you had something off the pass here. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know what to make of that if that was just flavor because she's a hollow one and maybe you know blah 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 if if it was just flavor or if it was something. Did you did that even register on your radar? Did you have any thoughts on what that? Was. Yeah, I mean, Matt, it's tough because Matt is such a great descriptor of things, but he also yeah. is such an intentional DM. It was a moment that it was hard to know which bucket to categorize it in. Because I, I mean, it very easily could have been a subtle nod to something happening that we're oblivious to, which I've seen some comments on like, you warded off Delilah taking over the body. And I'm yeah. like, okay, you guys are really big on this theory. <laughs> Um, but I also, I, I could see it going either way. I think, you know, the flavor of the spell, you know, you prevent the body from decaying and deteriorating, um, to the point where presumably it can no longer be revived, I guess. I don't know. Um, and to me that, that lines more up in terms of flavor, but, but very easily could see it having been something else. I don't know. Yeah. What do I'm you think? In, I'm in the camp of. It was more than just flavor, but it wasn't nece- it That doesn't mean it's Laudna was trying to take over the body and he prevented it. I think it is. It could be something small, but I think it was intentional. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what to make of it. It could be just because she was a hollow one, and maybe it has something to do with like because of that. Maybe she would yeah, come back as an undead after ten days or something. Who knows? There is something interesting for her in the sense of there's not much of a precedent for her. She's a bit of a, um, I don't want to say homebrewed, I'd say homebrew-esque kind of character um, with kind of curious circumstances of how she had died and is now as a hollow one in sort of like this middle ground. Um, So it's hard to know, like we can't go to like, you know, page 43 of the player's handbook and be like, oh, well, this is what happens after. Yeah. You know, so I'm, it, it is interesting to wonder like where, where does, what happens from here with her character? Yeah. That's a lot of our big question marks here. Um, and then lastly on Laudna really quick. Uh, one thing I just thought of is, you know, uh, Imogen obviously reached out to Delilah to see if she could do something. She could not. Which, uh, which by the way, the fact that she could isn't, that seems interesting. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I don't know. I didn't know if I, sh- if that should be read into too much or if that was just, in the in the service of the story in the service of like let's not bog down by saying well you know you don't know if delilah's a patron if she you know like and maybe i mean maybe it should be read into but i could just see that being a hand wavy thing of like in this moment i'll allow this message because it's impactful you know and then well i mean um, sam even said like the fact that you in like in the session he said well the fact that you could speak to her means she's somewhere right um and i almost feel like the second half of that sentence is somewhere we could go or somewhere like you could actually find her, um, which is very interesting. But I also, I mean, there's been times in my own campaign where, you know, to not bog down what's happening in the moment, like, yeah, okay. Um, You know, like my wife in a campaign we're in now, she wanted, she didn't have detect thoughts, but she had message and she was really trying to basically detect thoughts. And so rather than getting like hung up and like, well, you don't have that spell. And so (laughs) I I did a flavor. Your DM voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, 
uh, I did kind of like a flavor, like, you know, you, this happens, this moment happens. Um, so yeah, it, it could be flavor. I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, that being said, I think it could totally be a hint that Delilah is in some way, right. you know, uh, uh, I don't know if a lot, uh, anyway, everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, so we, we had her reach out to Delilah for help and she couldn't, um, I think an interesting kind of potential here um, is if whatever doesn't work out with the known usual suspects we've already talked about that they're going to for help, Imogen may be reaching out again to Delilah being like, there's got to be something you can do. And we know Delilah to have brought back her husband from the dead. What if Delilah was like, well, there is one way and Laudna potentially comes back as a vampire. I think that would just, I don't really necessarily see that happening because I feel like Keyleth would have to not work out. This would have to not work out. Like, I feel like Delilah would be like the absolute last resort, especially since they've already asked her. But I just feel like that would be such a cool, like, parallel. And, and, well, would it just, yeah. I, I wonder if the answer would be even you have to become, she has to come back as a vampire and more, which you'll have to tell me with the mechanics here, you need the help of the whispered one. Like, you need to reach out. Which I know the whispered one's behind the divine gate, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's like a similar ability to reach out as there would be with like the Dawn Father and like these other deities that are also behind the divine gate, or or is the whispered one like banished? You know, <laughs> um, that's a good question. I mean, like, I th- could they pray to the whispered one and get some super big bad guy help? I don't know if I'm just not remembering things, but I think you're correct in that he's just behind the divine gate and not like in, I don't know. To me, I feel like he could be able to still communicate the same way other gods do, but maybe he can't for some reason. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I feel like there would have been more mention of it if he could, but but yeah, this is on me for just not really remembering, but yeah, that, I mean, that could be a potential. She's like, yeah, you're going to need, my boss's help for this move type of thing. That would be crazy. Yeah, it'd be pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I had something else I was going to ask you about Ladna. Oh, and then the, the, another thing I was thinking about too was, um, I'm also curious that tr- if she does come back, the trauma that could be present with her character, um, FCG telling her you, you were never alive. Um, and then she actually goes through something extremely traumatic of dying again. Yeah. Uh, and then Delilah, I can't remember the phrasing, but in a few episodes ago, basically saying all of your friends will abandon you. Like you can only trust me. And ultimately she was not the one chosen. You know, I could see that as abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. I think there's definitely, and that's another thing is like, Irma death isn't the only repercussions like as for people saying that like, Oh, there's no stakes. Uh, definitely like, like you said, there's all this potential trauma, all this potential character development that as a result of things that happened, even if she, if she doesn't die, you know, so a hundred percent with you there, I think that would be really interesting and some juicy character moments for sure out of that, which speaking of what about freaking Orem getting his second dose of survival's guilt? <laughs> you know, he oh, already man. like struggles with what happened to Will. And now again, you know, if he finds out that he was, I mean, I guess he already did, but like, 
it was a coin flip, right? But if he was chosen to be the one to save yeah. over Ladna, like I think that's gonna freaking eat him yeah. away. I mean, I think it's an awesome character moment for you know making his story even more compelling, which you know he's had probably the um I don't know how to phrase it. I wouldn't say like the least intriguing story. Like I think what we had said in the last episode was that if someone has to die, it makes sense to be him because it 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 feels like his story has kind of not waned, but kind of come to a point of like, yeah, like he he wanted to find out who the great assassins were and like what happened. And and now he has. I think now with that pairing of survivor's guilt, it makes it all the more um you know, impactful for Orem to get his guy, you know, yeah. to go after and get justice. Um, so I, I am very excited for his character moving forward. And Liam Me is too. so amazing at, at his character. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for more. There was definitely like a bit of a coming down from adrenaline in this last episode. I'm really excited for the time on the airship and seeing if we get some just really cool role play. Yeah. Me too. I think we're definitely in store for it. Um, all right, uh, just a couple more quick things. Uh, basically, darting back to more earlier in the episode. Uh, first of all, really quick, the like. So we we saw Orm's kind of heaven scene, if you will, of being reunited with Will, and uh, basically the afterlife for him was a good thing. But with Fern, we're treated to like this hellscape kind of she you know briefly looks back away from the tunnel of light which is fcg resing her and matt describes like this darkened hillscape with all these hungry eyes like staring at her and like the sliver of the moon so i was like what the heck is this like you know there's been some i mean there are gods and the gods have been explored some in previous campaigns to some extent um, so like, but the, the quote unquote afterlife hasn't been too fleshed out and it probably depends on your God and depends on a lot of stuff. Right. But I just thought it was in Matt's world. Uh, I just thought it was interesting that Fern got that scene. And so it made me wonder like, what, you know, yeah. what's going on there? Like, is it something, is it just that she's not as as noble as it is as easy as a black and white thing like orm got a good afterlife she got a bad one because she's not a good person per se or is it like was there some deal struck via mori or via whatever for fern's eternal soul or something uh these were just all the thoughts that were coursing through my yeah, mind it, it was definitely quite ominous um one reddit comment that i read uh, it was kind of like an offhand comment, but someone was theorizing that maybe it's the shadow fell is maybe where she had gone, which is like the, um, it's like the counterpart to, uh, the Feywild. Mm. Um, I don't know really anything about it beyond that. Um, so I can't, and again, it was like an offhand comment of like, I think it was the shadow fell with like nothing else. Yeah. And so, and I haven't really read anything about it either, but that's one detail that I've read that I was like, huh, I'm intrigued enough to read more and then here i am having not read anything <laughs> so yeah, yeah i don't know tishatafel is a great guess because i do think it's something like i don't think it would be just something matt put in purely for flavor i feel like that is like like that is something if it's the shadow or not but it is like 
more than just a quick moment that he wanted to paint. So I like the idea that it was the shadow fell. Um, we'll have to look into that. Yeah. Um, all right. Last couple things. Uh, the visions from the very beginning of the episode. Um, Ashton's. Bro, did, did we call it or what? <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We definitely. I mean, I guess in hindsight, it was pretty like heavy handed, like a clear connection. But no, we're I, taking I'll this just, one. <laughs> I'm, we're taking it because in a museum full of duplicate counterfeits, we pointed out, hey, this one seems interesting. This seems like something that could be Ashton's backstory. And according to his memory, it seems like it potentially was. The question is, what was the ritual they were doing? And we got a detail from Matt. I can't remember who did the history check, but that they basically basically indulged too deeply into into powers they couldn't understand, uh, which then begs the question, what, what was that power? Yeah. And what was the ritual? And I mean, not that everything has to be connected, but it would be interesting if, if the ritual and stuff were, was connected to the larger things at play here. Not necessarily ruinous, but just, um, you know, we've got the, uh, the solstice coming up, the lining of the energies, like maybe they were messing with, I guess the timeline probably wouldn't work out for that because I don't, Ashton's not old enough, I don't think, but it would just be interesting if it did tie in somehow. But yeah, crazy. So they were part of a cult and try to perform some ritual and things went way wrong. Like Ashton described people just flying off into the air, like, you know, getting wind and stuff torn apart. Um, I don't know. Very interested to find out more, but yeah, had to, I wanted to mention that, especially since we were percolating with that idea from episodes ago. Um, Then the other, uh, can I, yeah, yeah. can I hijack this for just a second total, but just it's, it's on the topic of Ashton. Was Ashton crushing on Laudna in the previous episode? When you mean two episodes they, ago, two episodes ago. Yeah. When they were going into the sandstorm together and I don't know. I just, I feel like he was, I, it felt a little flirty to me. Hmm. And I mean, this is coming from the same guy who was like, I oh, know they're just Imogen and Laudna are just friends. <laughs> oh yeah. How do you, how do you feel about that? now after we just edit that out from before <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah it's like sappho and her friends or whatever those separate <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no exactly no, they're, they're 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 roommates they're bringing your roommates <laughs> thanksgiving again it's been six years in a row <laughs> uh yeah no it, it almost felt like a little bit um it could have just been genuine admiration but mm-hmm. he he was sort of very complimenting her of like you know you're you're crazy you're wild like in sort of like a um, appreciative way. I don't know. It just, it just felt like, I don't know. It just, I just thought like, huh, yeah. the point that I'm getting at is <laughs> it, it feels like Ladna and Ashton have a special bond. Um, and they all have that a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's, there's something I think more genuine with the two of them. And I'm speaking of Ashton. I'm just wondering how he reacts uh, to Ladna once things slow down a little bit. Yeah, me too. I did it. I didn't. I kind of want to go back and watch that scene now, just with that added potential context in my mind. But I definitely that scene did resonate with me. I thought they definitely were like having a moment. And I'm paraphrasing here, but I thought I felt like they kind of connected on like being the, for lack of a better word, like outcast kind of. Right. Yeah. Um, so 
be it flirtatious or not, I definitely like that. That moment resonated with me as well. So I am. Um, well, yeah, go ahead. One other detail about Ashton. Um, did Matt say in his memory that his father was Elvish? Mm-hmm. I wrote that okay. down too. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I so I wrote that down. I have that as a note. Father Elvin. I don't have anything about his mom. So was it not mentioned, or did I just miss that? Like, do you have anything about his mom? I, I don't know. The just the Elvish thing is what stuck out to me. Um, because he's an Earth he's Genasi. A, he's a Genasi, <laughs> right? Yeah, and so. I don't know. It's it's and he also said in a previous episode that he hasn't always been this way. Right. Remember? Which mm-hmm. I don't know if there was like a common like puberty, like, oh, you become like this or something, but I don't know. There's something weird going on there that I'm For really sure. curious about. For sure, me too. But yeah, I remember that comment. I think we talked about it. We we're like, what did he mean by he didn't always be this way? Um yeah. all right, so yeah. that that was another random detail. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. Um one super quick thing and then one final thing. The super quick thing was just in Chetney's memory, um, you know, describing his transformation during the the zenith of Rudis, which I guess has happened before, which he's over 200 years old. So this makes sense. Um, you know, him just completely losing himself, being like the hunger is all that matters, um, which is not really anything new that we didn't know, but it is interesting for what's coming up in a few days. You know, with everything else that's going on, we're going to have a Chetney that like literally is going to have no agency, essentially, like he's just going right. to run loose on the party. Uh, so very interested yeah. to see I forgot what happens leading right. up to this. Like, does he say this and does he like willingly get locked away or is this just going to be a freaking wild card that's unleashed on the party whenever this happens? Yeah, no, there's. It definitely doesn't feel like things get easier from here on out. Yeah. So, um, okay. So now the final thing, which, uh, sorry for running through all these things, but FCG's memories. We, oh yeah. He's got memories of his past Aormaton life. Um, specifically there are two main characters that are introduced in this. One is like this older gentleman that I believed to be the creator probably of fcg or at least like if not the creator the the person running all of these aormatons in charge of them if you will uh but i got like creator vibes and i got the vibes that fcg does not really like this person um so there's that well, character i think he says like you fear him yeah and that he was like uh like anger in him or hatred or something yeah um so so there's that, and then there's this elderly noblewoman that he takes care of, uh, and that obviously has to be the person he was like sent to assassinate with his, you know, sleeper agent, you know, because all these Aormatons were given to political figures so that they could wake up and assassinate them, right? So to oh, me, to me, okay, that's who that elder was. I didn't take it that way. I took it as in like he had like run away or was whisked away, like saved from bad creator. Um, but yeah, that's that's very interesting if that's the case for sure. So, I mean, yeah, that's just my guess. So that doesn't, you know, who knows if that's the case, but that's what I took from it. Yeah. Which, man, would so be interesting. Much, yeah. So much backstory, man. It's like, how do we get to all of it? <laughs> yeah. So. 
Okay. We're probably about maybe a fifth of the way through the campaign, maybe less, maybe more. Let's see. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. All right. It's funny how things play out. Like, it's like, yeah, not a lot's happening. And then suddenly, like, all right, way so much is happening. So <laughs> you just got to, you just got to have faith, you know, and enjoy the ride. So. All right, well, you guys let us know in the comments what you thought of the episode, other thoughts, theories, ideas you have, and um, also stay tuned for our video 1,000 subs giveaway uh, to come shortly. Um, anything else you want to bring up, Will? I don't think so. Um, okay, cool. Thanks Thumbnail? for coming on this journey with us, as always. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, what should we do? I mean, we did sad um, last time, but I feel like it's even more appropriate this time. Yeah, maybe like shock and sad. Okay. You know, just like, you know, mouth agape. I don't know. <laughs> Remember last time when I just. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's pretty good, right? Oh, I gotta yeah. do that again. Run it back. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm going to do, do a little bit of. I can't see. All right, you're good. I think we got it. <coughs> Excuse nice. me. Sorry. No worries. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and we're excited for the next episode. We'll catch you soon. Bye, y'all. <laughs>